Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. This hour of Inside the Clubhouse is brought to you by Menards. Say big, big money at Menards. Lots and lots and lots of injuries for the Chicago White Sox. On a personal note, I want to uh, wish uh, our uh, heartfelt uh, thoughts to the Chris Bowden and his family and the loss of their son, Ryan. Oof. And uh, also welcome back Ed Farmer to the booth after being out for uh, a couple of series. He's back at it and healthy, and welcome back, Eddie. That's nice to hear. Uh, saw Darren Jackson uh, about a week and a half ago on the field over at Wrigley. He's a lovely guy, as is, as is Farmio, and uh, asked and got a little bit of an update, but that's nice that Farmio came back last night. Right, and uh, back to the White Sox and Cubs. Uh, Rick Hahn spoke yesterday, and uh, as you've mentioned on numerous occasions, including this morning, Matt, very transparent, as the Cubs were during their uh, rebuild, about where they're at and what they want to do. And Rick was, he was, he was right on it yesterday. He was not pulling any punches about uh, where injuries have taken this team and also uh, where the rebuild is at. Yeah, in terms of the injuries, he was open about how that might affect their ability to do something here at the deadline. They were thinking about trading for you know, protected players or salary protected, but major league guys like their version of the Christian Yelich trade is one way that people well, have been writing about contract it. control is huge. I mean, they're not trading for a guy that has a year and a, a, an option left on a contract. They're not trading for a guy that has two years left on a contract. Mm-hmm. Their idea of trading for veteran players would be somebody, someone that has three to five to six years of contract control. That right. would be more, uh, otherwise, they're, they're they're not using their young talent to trade for veteran guys uh, in July in July of 2019. That's not that's not where they're at. Yeah, no, it, it would make all the sense in the world to make right. a deal here from your prospect capital and try to get somebody who you would have wanted to sign if they were a free agent, that kind of thing. Uh, but but because of all these injuries, they might not have the capital to do it. They're not, and uh, as you'll hear from Rick Hahn, uh, the rebuild is coming to uh, a, part, a part in the road where they think they'll go forward. And uh, 2019, not necessarily that point. Yeah, here's Rick Hahn. Here's a chunk of him talking about, you know, among other things, uh, designating Yonder Alonso for assignment and just overall where they are here in year three of the rebuild. We feel like we're, we're getting a lot closer to where we need to be. Now, I characterized this the other day on the radio as... You know, we're probably towards the end of the beginning is probably the best way to look at where we're at. We're not by no means where we want to be, and we still have a lot of work to get to where we want to be, and we're not to the best point of this at all either. But we're getting close to the end of the beginning of this, which was going to be the toughest part. So close to the end of the beginning. Does that make sense for you? I kind of like the way that he phrases that. Yeah, in other words, uh, this is a phase that uh, he feels is an important juncture in the road, but are they ready to add 
big-time players to win in 2019, Matt? I do not believe that is the case. Here's Han talking about the short-term moves. You're absolutely right in terms of building a championship club for the long term. We need more from the starting rotation than what we've gotten over the course of this season. Going back to my earlier answer, though, about whether we're going to do something immediately to address that for the short term, strictly for 2019, it's not really what this is about. We remain in year three of this rebuild. We still remain focused on trying to build the best possible team for the long run. Even if uh, you're talking about jumping up and grabbing the second wild card, that's not what this rebuild was all about. It was about the long term, and uh, we're not we're not going to compromise off that. That's beautiful. Yeah, I mean that's compelling in the sense that you know we we still believe in this rebuild. Uh, we are not we are not interested in trading young players to try to get that second wild card and win 84 games this year. We are con- continue to be serious about building a championship caliber team. So some White Sox fans will hear that and go, "Oh, you know, you know, we're only three or four games out of the second wild card. We've got a really uh, good look at that. We could play playoff baseball this year." And Han and company are saying. We like the fact we want to win every day, but we're not expending one young player toward uh, bringing in a veteran to help us win for one year. The majority of the White Sox fans I've interacted with, Bruce, totally understand where they are, realize it wouldn't be worth it to do that kind of thing, and if anything, are looking to trade Alex Colomay or trade right. things that they can to kind of recoup some prospects or or add for the longer term. Like we're talking, the majority of White Sox fans I've talked to do not give a crap about a possible second wild card. But here. Matt, are they prepared to get worse than they are right now in order to get better for that long term? In other words, they are you know three games behind five hundred, two games behind five hundred. Are they prepared to go to get worse? knowing that they're not going to add and other teams will add this year, are they prepared to watch that happen and still feel they're building toward the future? I bet I think they are. This is your last year, I believe, of not prioritizing winning on the major league level. You watch the Cubs do it for three years. You're watching the White Sox do it for three years. Next year, they are going to be going for a playoff position in earnest. So, so the Sox Dallas, fans are comfy. So the, the Dallas Keuchel's of the world will be more of the additions going forward than they would be in 2019 because they're looking for those veterans to solidify a very good-looking young pitching staff going forward. This is Don in Burr Ridge on Inside the Clubhouse on 670 The Score. What's up, Don? Hey, you guys stole some of my thunder. My, my thought was, Sox will not give up any potential future value for anything less than something that they help them out two, three, four years down the way. That's number one. Number two is I have a thought process for the Sox in a trade, and it's basically calling it quits for the year, which I have zero issue with. It's trading Abreu and Cologne to the Dodgers for Urias and either a lower draft pick or some international money. The Dodgers can use the first baseman and definitely a right-handed hitter. Cologne will help out with the, the, the relief staff, which is pretty poor behind uh, Jansen. It, it, it makes sense on both ends. It definitely helps the Sox this year. Abreu is going to be a free agent. That's number one. They want him back. They can go after him next year. Yeah, it's a, I, I like your trade, honestly, because it addresses both teams' needs. You add a, a power arm like Urias from the Dodgers for the White Sox, and you're giving the Dodgers uh, that fortification for Jansen, who's – 
pretty much you know up in the air and has had continued health injuries, uh, health health situations over the last couple of years. Um, that is the type of trade the Dodgers would like to make. You also open yourself up, Matt, if you trade Abreu for bring him back as a free agent. I was trying to think of how many guys have done that. I always think of Ricky yeah. Henderson for Steve Carsey. Then he went right back to Oakland. But I'm sure there's a bigger list than that. Guys who get traded away at the deadline and come right back to the team that Chapman. dealt them. Uh, Raldis Chapman is certainly one. There you go. Yeah, I mean, wins a World Series with the Cubs and mm-hmm. five-year deal with the Yankees. Yeah, and it's, it happened in the NBA a few times as well. And, uh, I mean, it would it makes sense. Here, Jose, go have some fun for a couple of months and try to win, and then we'll talk again in the offseason. Right, uh, but you're, you're right on the other part of that, and that is it doesn't always happen that way. But, you know, there's a love affair between Abreu and the White Sox, the front office. They feel an important part of the rebuild. What, what, is, what says... I love the rebuild more than being a part of a trade that brings another piece back uh-huh. and you rejoin, you know, in the next year. I mean, that would be, you know, that it's a little bit of fantasy baseball I'd on that l- level. I love it, though. Think about it, because you'd also be allowing Zach Collins to have a boatload of playing time at go. first base if you want. I mean, because the second half of this year continues to be about the development of Collins, the development of Eloy, the development of Dylan Cease the development of Lopez and Giolito. So it's development at the major league level at a higher level, mm-hmm. and that is, that's the key. So that's, when I, that's why I say, well, the White Sox can be worse in the second half and still accomplish what they need to do going forward. Absolutely. The goals are what you said and not necessarily a, a win here or there. Um, I, I just think Abreu is such a solid dude. You think about the horrors of how he got to America – and then all the money that got siphoned away from his deal by that human trafficking. And all that stuff is going on as he assimilates his way into this culture and into MLB. And he produced every month of every year along the way. It's incredible consistency. Right. But you have to ask yourself, why, he ha- why has- haven't they extended him up to this point? And that is that their main, main job, Han and Williams and Mr. Reinsdorf's main job, is to keep open the most flexibility sure. to see what's viable for them to add to this team. And by tying him up, you are not adding to the, the, the possibility of someone blowing you away with a trade offer that you, you can't refuse. Oh, absolutely. And, and, you know, guys, with his skill set and his position, where you're kind of a mediocre defensive first baseman but a power hitter, Sometimes they fade and they're not worth what you end up paying them if you're, you know, if, if you're not careful. And, and really, overall, their value isn't that much. I, I don't know what the, what the free agent market is going to be for, uh, you know, a guy who's baseball middle-aged like Abreu. Well, I mean, you know, considering the, the at-bats, you know, depending on where Collins ends up, you know, we don't know what the future holds for Abreu with the White Sox. I can tell you that they, they love him, they want to keep him, but... At 33 next year, is he still a important part of this rebuild? I, I think the mix of personalities and his importance to some of those younger personalities. Uh, my money's on Abreu signing a two-year deal or two years with an option or I something mean, it, like that. It, I mean, it won't be a money issue. I think the White Sox will have the money. The question is, does he fit into that part of the equation? Mm-hmm. Is he a, an emotional and physical part that can help you? It's, he can't just be a coach. Okay, you have to still say, hey, this is a viable guy. He's been leading uh, the American League in RBI most of this season. 
Uh, so he's still impactful. But, um, you know, can we project him for the next two years to continue to give, this, give us that on the field? Texture's reminding us that Jason Hamill came right back after the Addison Russell trade came right back. So there's another guy. You have to remember that? Added, added to that list. <laughs> Jason was a good guy. He had his best year with them. Mike is in Frankfurt, Michigan. Mike, you're on 670, the score on Inside the Clubhouse. What do you say, man? Hi, guys. Uh, you know, Rick Hahn is great in, when he can quote Winston Churchill. He's not great in preparing for a season. And as a Sox fan, I really object to having to watch uh, the pitchers he's throwing out here. His offseason moves, other than Colome, have all blown up. And I think there's a balance between saving your prospects for the future and putting a major league team on the field for your fans who pay 50 bucks a seat. And we're dumpster diving. We're grabbing pitchers off the street, and we're not even at July 1st. So it's all well and good for, for Rick Hahn to quote what he learned about Churchill in his Harvard uh, English classes. But when you're putting out people like that guy, I can't even pronounce his name. Ross Detweiler. Detweiler. Hang on, Mike. Yeah. Mike, let me ask, let me ask you a question because I think you're you're not the guy that we were talking about earlier no, in the segment. I'm not. Hold on, yeah, because I was saying most White Sox fans that I've interacted with totally understand and realize it's not about winning on the major league level. You want you want winning right now. You're paying no, and sir. you're going, no. and you want winning right now. No, no, I don't want winning right now because I'm a, I, I remember other rebuilds. I'm a 55 year fan. I want competence. I don't want to have to go to the ballpark as a season ticket holder and be subjected to uh, pitching that's not even major league quality. It, Han, I believe, did not recognize the need for pitching this offseason. He did not see the red flags in Carlos Rodon last September. I just want competence, and we're not competent on the pitching staff. I understand, I understand, I understand what you're saying. Um, Mike, we have some other calls, so let's, let's move along. But, but I, I appreciate it, and I understand – I think you've got to separate different realms of the organization. I think, A, their pro scouting really needs to step up and get better. And some of the guys they've brought in on the pro scouting level, like Irvin Santana and Ivan Nova, uh, is, are just, just absolutely horrific. You have to understand that these guys, uh, are. this team was built for, for veterans to, A, help with innings, help with the, uh, with, with the player development, and B, to be flippable. So the last caller's point is well taken, except for column A, there's really not a lot to flip. Mm-hmm. You know, Nova might be a piece, but is he going to bring back a lot for you at the trading deadline? Column A is certainly will. Some of these other people that uh, are brought in as uh, – you know, veterans to flip uh, probably won't bring you much back. Right. And, and, and every once in a while you do find something like they found James McCann. Right. And McCann was fantastic. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you have to give, you have to right, give them credit right. for that. The other thing is that all these guys, all these young arms getting hurt meant that you had to see guys like Banuelos and Despagna because they just they it, didn't have enough it's, young guys it's just to throw a, out it's there. It's a part of everybody's rebuild. You know, Houston did it. The Cubs did it. I can give you five, six names of guys you've forgotten about with the Cubs that were awful to watch, that were there for short periods of time, that mm-hmm. had to be the guys to take, you know, take the bullet. You know, you're not going right. to bring all your young guys up here and have them subjected to player development at this level when they're not ready. That's, that's why you hold off, um, you know, you hold off a Kopech, you, you hold off a Giolito, you hold off a Cease until the time 
that they've followed through with your player development plan before you get them here. Yeah, you know, I, I think the, the amateur scouting, the development, some, the analytics departments, a lot of that stuff has been ramped up here in the last three years as the White Sox have tried to modernize and rebuild. I think pro scouting is something that still could use some work. I'll pass it on to Rick when right. I'm at the park. Thank you. Though. Appreciate that, Bruce. Uh, 670, the score is where you are. It's inside the clubhouse. And uh, Bruce is going to pass on anything that you guys think is important. Uh, <laughs> dial it up and get involved right now on the score. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Ookla speed test intelligence data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023. Welcome back on Inside the Clubhouse on 670. The score this hour is brought to you by Menards. Save big money. At Menards, and soon we'll hit the bottom of the hour. Brought to you by the Chicago Wolves, the Western Conference champion Chicago Wolves. would like to thank the loyal fans for making this 25th anniversary so special. Thank you, and see you in October. Let's talk to George in River Grove on Inside the Clubhouse. Bruce Levine. Good morning, George. What's happening? Good morning. How are you today? Good. First and foremost, Farmio, hope the very best for you. Yeah, Farmio's doing good. Yeah. He sounded great coming back last night. God. God love Ed Farmer. Yes, sir. Uh, number one, I'm not all that I'm going to be on the same page with the guy that called grieving about the management. I'm not all that crazy in love with the management. Uh, why is a 175 hitter in the lineup until the end of June before you finally figure it out and get him out of there? Yeah, too long. They got the too many automatic there. outs. Rendon, I don't know who they got in right field. They got a couple guys that are running out there. We needed more John Jays. You know, he's competitive. He's not. He's not all that hideous. Yeah, you know, no, he's he, not he's all that hideous. He I needs like to, the way he, you put that. He's not all that hideous. Well, I mean, he's he's a competent <laughs> player. You know, his lifetime average is two eighty four. If everyone was hitting two eighty four on the team, they'd be a lot better. And I have a problem with not being competitive and not trying to win. That's not something you can flip a switch and then one day you wake up and go, okay, guys, now we're going to get serious and try to well, win. You know, and that's, and, and George, thank you. Very, very but, excellent points. Um, Matt, and that's why you bring in John Jays. And you brought in Alonzo off of a year where he had 23 home runs and he was an on-base percentage guy. Uh, you, you don't bring these guys in to suck, as people like to say. You bring them in because they're professional. They fit in perfectly into that clubhouse they understand what you're doing because they've been around rebuilds before Mm. that that's that's the key you know you don't bring in a veteran who goes why aren't we getting more veterans in here you bring in veterans that understand their role that they are there not only to help on the field but also to be good role models as far as the clubhouse goes john jay has one of the great reputations as being a top-level guy in a clubhouse. Just go ask some of his Cub teammates from 2017. Uh, the same thing for Alonzo, uh, a top-flight individual. Now, we didn't know that he was going to be awful this year. Uh, his numbers didn't tell you that. But n- nonetheless, um, that is a part of the rebuild as much as 
what they're bringing on the field, that they understand the role. Not every veteran you bring in is going to understand where you're at. Guys like Santana that lasted a few days, mm-hmm. uh, some of the other people that they let go of, they don't understand why they're there and be a part of it. They're out the door. Yeah, uh, you'll, they'll have to bring in the right kind of veterans, the right kind of guys and guys who understand it, as you're saying. The problem is for George, who doesn't believe in, in the rebuild as a concept, is that recent history shows you that the Royals did it, and it took them a while, but they eventually Eight went. years. Yeah, two World Series in a row, and they won one. The Cubs did it, and they won one. The Astros did it, and they won one, and they're still one of the best teams in in baseball. So the fact that they've been working directly in front of you makes it difficult to accept. It's hard work. The Astros took five years, almost six. The Cubs kind of spoiled everybody because it was four. It it shouldn't have worked that way. But they plugged in $333 million to – to finalize that, okay? People forget, you know, a third of a billion dollars went into the additions of John of Lester, John Jason Lester, Hayward, Hayward Zobris. Zobris, and Lackey. There you go. And, and how about Madu, if right. you want to think again, about it that way? $333 million, or a third of a billion dollars. So the White Sox are approaching, I, they're not going to spend that much, but they're going to spend a lot of money over 2020 and 2021 trying to get the right players to come in and be the final pieces toward being good for a long time. Uh, please, Zach Withers, grab that. He's not all that hideous um, right. as one of the, the all-time right. sentences ever spoken on the radio station. I would like that to be my lead-in for what I do. <laughs> Here he is. He's Bruce Levine. He's, He's not, not all, all that, that hideous. hideous. You know who was really, really good last night? That lefty in the White Sox bullpen, Bruce. He was awfully good last night. And his name, of course is Aaron Bummer, and he joins us on Inside the Clubhouse today. Thanks for taking some time out, Aaron, uh, on a uh, night where you were a very busy guy. You almost had, like, two different, uh, two different times in the game there, two, two very essential parts of the game to keep it going and make it a victory. Yeah, what's up, guys? How you guys doing? Yeah, we're doing great. I mean, uh, let's take you back to that uh, seventh inning there and that uh, ground ball that you induce the top hitter in the American League to hit into. Uh, what's your what's your process there? What are you trying to, to make happen? What's the pitch? You know, definitely. I think the start was trying to get Nelson Cruz first. Um, I knew that Nelson Cruz obviously is a little bit slower of a runner than uh, Polanco. And so obviously the goal there would have been just to ground ball and get the first guy out and get us out of that jam a little bit quicker. Um, <clears throat> but really, it's just going out there and making my pitch. Um, I know that my job's out there to go out and get ground balls. And you know what? I fell behind and trusted my sinker over the plate. And Blanco hit the ground ball to Jose. And Jose made one heck of a play. And Sanchi made a great turn. And we got out of that inning. And it was huge, 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 huge for us. And it would have been a big momentum shift uh, for the Twins if they would have been able to uh, beat that play out. So it was a huge moment for us. And then Eloy. And then obviously we were able to go back out, do the job, run into a little bit more trouble. But, you know, at the end of the day, we took care of business. Eloy hit a huge bomb. And uh, we got a W. You know, and then the eighth inning uh, comes around, Aaron, and, and you're still out there, and you get, uh, you get these guys uh, and, and with that incredible strikeout to finish the Jason Castro and finish the inning. And just the satisfaction 
must be pretty large because I like watching it just as a fan to see you know that that's a strike before the umpire does anything, before the catcher moves. You're yeah. like, you're walking off. You're in the dugout before the umpire says a damn thing. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, man, and especially in days that are grinds like that. Um, obviously didn't have my best command. I think, I mean, I don't even know if I was at 50% strikes all night, but, you know, mm. we went out there and threw uh, an inning two-thirds of scoreless ball, and getting that last out was a big exclamation on kind of what we can be and kind of when things aren't necessarily going your way and you don't have the command, but you know what, you got to go out there and compete. And um, that's something that I've been really trying to hang my hat on is being able to compete even without my best stuff. So overall, just great day. It, 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 it feels like a big step forward for you this year, Aaron, and, and it looks like it uh, with the numbers as well. Was that a cutter to end that um, strikeout? And yeah. can, uh, tell people about the cutter. I know you developed it with Steve McCaddy, the AAA pitching coach. Yeah, and so it definitely just added a cutter. I mean, in the past two years in the big leagues, um, I've been getting tallywhacked by uh, right-handed hitters. And so uh, myself, um, a couple of players in Charlotte, Rob Scahill, um, uh, Everett Tford, Caddy, we all kind of sit down and had a little talk and, all right, what's the easiest way or what's the best way for me to get inside of right-handers? And we decided on the cutter. And, um, you know, it's turned into a really valuable weapon for me, able to um, – because my bread and butter is still obviously my sinker. It's something that I'm going to live and die with. Um, but being able to have something hard in uh, to right-handers or hard away to left-handers really opens up the other side of the plate for me, which I've been able to have some success with. Aaron Bummer from the Chicago White Sox joining us on Inside the Clubhouse. He's mad on Bruce. We're here with you every Saturday, 9 to 11, 52 weeks out of the year, talking baseball. Aaron, uh, the, the idea that uh, you've ascended to a, a more prominent position in that bullpen by your hard work and the results, but also uh, getting your first opportunity to close a game uh, on the last homestand uh, when Colome was down, and then having to go back and do another essential role as a setup man. How do you handle that mentally, knowing that you probably are ready to be a closer and get that last inning, knowing you still have an all-star caliber guy in um, column A, but that uh, that will eventually most likely be your role pretty soon? I mean, I think it's – I mean, it's having a guy like column A, an all-star closer, and he should be an all-star. There's no doubt about that. That guy's had an absolute dominant season and been As almost perfect. And, As should you. And um, so, you know, if he shortens the game by one inning, basically, it's we're going out there trying to catch a lead um, through eight innings because we know in the ninth that we have column A to come in and lock down the game and get us out of there with a win. So <clears throat> um, something that Skip really preaches is, you know what, um, he's not going to send you out there to do anything that you, he doesn't think that you can't handle. And all he's doing is going out there trying to get out. And so it doesn't. to me, it doesn't matter if it's the fifth inning, doesn't matter if it's the fourth inning, sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth. Um, I'm just going to go out there and try and do my job to the best of my abilities. And um, whether or not that's the last three outs of the game or the first three outs or the middle three outs, it doesn't matter to me. So That, that's, um, uh, that said, Aaron, is there a different adrenaline rush in the ninth inning? Oh, yeah, absolutely. When I was running out on the field and – Against the Yankees, man, my heart was pounding out of my chest saying, oh, it's like, all right, we're getting ready to do this. All right, let's go. So, uh, I mean, there was a little bit more uh, adrenaline and things like that. But, you know, at the end of the day, regardless of whether or not you're pitching in a high leverage or low, low leverage situation, um, you got to be able, able to go out there and do your job. And so that's something that um, I think everybody works on and everybody has to just 
create that focus to no matter what the situation, you're going out there to do your job. He's White Sox reliever Aaron Bummer, and he's here on 670 The Score and Inside the Clubhouse. And, yes, he did just drop the word tallywhack. A um, <laughs> lot, of, lot of listeners really appreciating that, um, Aaron. The, the, you know, it's been said about this particular team that the amount of wins isn't necessarily what this year is about, but learning how to win I, I, there's been a lot of games, and last night, you finishing off the seventh and finishing off the eighth, and then Eloy adding on with the home runs. Can you feel the collective confidence growing in this young core as you win guy, games like that? Yeah, absolutely, and I think it's a, I think it's a simple thing of everyone's kind of maturing a little bit. Everyone's taking that next step in their development to where it's no longer um, kind of no longer saying it's okay to, uh, it's okay to fail. Like, we want to go out there and win. We want to go out there and win every game that we can, regardless of whoever's in the room. We believe that the 25 guys in this room, we can go out there and win every single night. And so we know that when we play our best baseball, chances are we're going to be able to win a lot of games. And so kind of just taking that next step and maturing and be able to go in and play the game the right way and um, doing the right things on the field, making the just kind of the little things. It's things that you notice when you play the Red Sox of um, these teams that have taken that next step. Uh, that they do the little things right. They make the smart baseball play. They do these things. And, you know, every day I feel like we're getting closer and closer to that level. And so um, I think this team's really maturing well and we're meshing together and guys are really taking steps forward. And uh, the future is going to be extremely bright. Aaron, so you, you hear or you read or, you know, what scuttlebutt is that Rick Hahn talks yesterday, still has strong belief in the young core, still has belief in the rebuild but is not going to add veterans to try to get the second wild card at the expense of trading players like you and some of the other more valuable pieces. How do you internalize that, knowing that you're still in the heat of a season where you're establishing your team, where it's close to a wild card, but you know that uh, the the vision is more 2020-2021? I mean, I think that all 25 guys in this room, doesn't matter if we add or subtract or – we're going to go out there and try and win. And so I don't think it necessarily makes a difference. Um, and, you know, it's obviously something I've been here for a little bit longer than a year. So um, I don't know all the ins and outs of the way that those things work. And I've never been in a situation to where um, that's kind of like been brought up. Mm-hmm. But I think that at the end of the day, it doesn't matter who's in this clubhouse, we're going to go out there and try and win and put our best 25 and put our best um, guys out there on the mound and you know, we've been pretty successful this year. I mean, obviously not as successful as we want, but I think that we're playing significantly better baseball. We're in the toughest stretch of our year, and we're holding our own. And so it's definitely uh, it's definitely encouraging to see that um, we're holding our own against, I mean, I think this is by far the toughest stretch of our schedule. And so um, it's something that in the next couple of coming weeks, man, we keep playing good ball, and we're going to be in a good spot. Aaron, it used to be said that you cannot teach how to increase velocity. Like people used to think, well, your arm either has it or, or, or it doesn't. Yeah. That, that has changed. I know <laughs> about driveline baseball. I don't know about this place that you went to in Nebraska, dynamic velocity. Yeah. T- tell, tell us about dynamic velocity, and did they increase your velocity? Um, dynamic velocity is just a, uh, it's an indoor pitching facility in Omaha, Nebraska. Um, Todd Old, or Tom Oldham is a phenomenal guy that, took time out of his day to help a couple pro guys, um, honestly, with a place to throw. And, you know, it's pretty hard to get a place inside to throw in the middle of winter in Nebraska. And um, he took the time out of his day to kind of help three or four guys along. Um, actually, no, there's probably five or six of us guys. And, you know, just kind of little tweaks, little things. And, you know, it's just an outside voice of, 
his pitching, uh, his background and kind of things that he had to say. And we were able to mesh some things together, create uh, a plan for me during the offseason. It wasn't necessarily weighted balls. It wasn't using the Edgertronic camera. It wasn't doing any of those things. But it was just little things that um, me and him decided that we wanted to work on delivery-wise and just kind of cleaning things up. And um, I can't say enough good things about uh, Tom and his facility. And, um, but yeah, I, I wouldn't say that it was anything necessarily. Like, I picked up a weighted ball and I started throwing two miles an hour harder or anything like that. <clears throat> I think that I uh, we were able to clean up a significant amount of my mechanics, um, create more leg drive, create things that would put me in a more successful position uh, more consistently. And, you know, it's been working out. So I'm looking forward to head back there during the All-Star break and go throw a couple times and see what we can keep working on. Hmm. I'm glad, Aaron, you mentioned the leg drive and the mechanics of the pitching as opposed to just recreating more velocity. Because yeah. been having these discussions with a lot of pitching people and with Rick Hahn yesterday in a group about the fact that the concentration is so much on velo and not necessarily on the body being able to mechanically handle the velo. You yeah. see a guy like Hicks breakdown who throws 104 miles an hour and you worry you know I've been I've been covering baseball for almost 40 years you worry about where this attrition's going with so many injuries to uh high velo guys over this last year or so and the pitchability is it taught is the pitchability more taught in the White Sox minor league system of uh, controlling your velo as opposed to maxing out no, I would say absolutely. I think um, the entire White Sox organization is preaching is being a good pitcher, and you got to be able to pitch before you can do anything else. Uh, you can throw a ball 104 miles an hour, but if the ball's 104 miles an hour and it's going right down the middle, you know, guys can hit that. And so, um, what's something that the White Sox, with um, pitching coordinators, the front office, and just kind of my own personal thought process, starts at the ground and you work the way up, or you work your way up. So it starts in your legs. You got to have your legs underneath you. You got to have your core underneath you, and then everything else follows behind that. And the White Sox do a great job of preaching that. And um, yeah, I just think that it's one of those things where it's become a velocity has become uh, an obsession for people. And you know, I think that they a lot of people think that they can take shortcuts to get there. Hmm. But in reality, I think, I mean, to me, it starts a—it starts with your feet. It starts on the ground, and the more power that you can put into the ground, which means the more leg strength that you have, the more core strength that you have, that's going to translate into velocity and more sustainable velocity and more healthy velocity than just picking up a ball and just launching it into a wall or whatever, um, those kind of things. I do think that there's a time and place for that, but do I think it's a simple fix of just saying, oh, let's go pick up weighted balls and go max out our velocity that way. I mean, I think it's a, it's a, it's an entire process. Aaron, thanks for your time. It's, it's a, it's fun to watch you on the field compete. It's fascinating to hear you talk about this and intellectualize about your art form. And Matt and I appreciate you taking part of your day out. We're hoping that you're an all-star this year because you've deserved it. Well, thank you, guys. I really appreciate it. Yeah, have a great day. All right, thank you, guys. We'll see you. Aaron Bummer, uh, very articulate young man. Yeah. Kind of understands uh, what he's doing and is able to uh, converse about it. No, I, I thought that was great stuff. And your follow-up, um, after I had asked him about this dynamic velocity, because he did get faster. He did get faster, but he got faster because of the leg drive, because of the mechanics, because of the entire physical chain. And it, it's more likely to sustain itself yeah. rather than seeing so many guys just...
Give us your max effort. Give us your 98, and if you blow out, well, we got another clone of you uh, waiting in the background. Right. There's a chunk of Rick Hahn where he talks about all the Tommy John surgeries, and he references stuff that's going on around the league. And I, uh, Steve Rosenblum and I will play that at some point a little bit later on in mm-hmm. the day. It's Inside the Clubhouse. He's Bruce Levine. I'm Matt Spiegel. We'll come back and uh, talk about today's games for teams on both sides of town. That's next on 670 The Score. It's inside the clubhouse and 670 the score. The ball games get rolling about 3 o'clock. Jose Quintana and Luis Castillo in Cincinnati. You'll hear that right here on the score. And uh, a few miles south, it'll be Michael Pineda with a 502 ERA against Ivan Nova with a 591 ERA. Could be a lot of runs in Twins Could and White Sox. A lot of home runs yeah. for two home run hitting teams. Uh, baseball in London this weekend. Yankees and uh, Red Sox play two game series Saturday and Sunday. Uh, what is what is that all about, Matt Spiegel? I mean, does that does that resonate with you as a baseball fan that all of a sudden England is going to be a hotbed for Major League Baseball? Uh, no, I, I I'm, they're they're selling it as trying to grow the game. Maybe they just want to see how Sweet Caroline can work in the soccer stadium over there. They're going to play Sweet Caroline today. They're going to play Take Me Out to the Ball Game today. Buck and Smoltz are over there. Did you see the mascot thing they're doing? No. They're doing a mascot race, like the sausage race or the presidents or whatever, and they did a Twitter vote for British uh, celebrities to be in the mascot race. It's not a mutton race? No. It's um, Freddie Mercury of Queen will battle it out with Winston Churchill, King Henry VIII, and the Loch Ness Monster. That is the mascot race today in London. I'm betting on uh, Freddie. <laughs> My money is also on <laughs> Freddie. Henry VIII too big, and Nessie not uh, not mobile enough. I I, you think. know, I, I understand baseball international and uh, promoting the game. I get Mexico City. I get places where they play baseball. Yes. Uh, I don't get London, England. The, Cub, the Cubs and Cardinals are going to play a year from now the same series in London. It's like... You know, is it just a nice vacation for Major League Baseball and their executives to go to London and kind of get some uh, uh, hall passes from their wives that they get to take them to London in the middle of the summer and so they can go back and watch baseball games the rest of the summer? I mean, to me, it's, 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 a, it's a waste of time. But, you know, they enjoy doing it good. Uh, I, I think it also hurts that you take a – a baseball team out of their element uh, for, you know, four or five days. You, you take them to England and then you make them play a two-game series, which is a joke. Anyway. Yeah, it's really it's really weird. Um, follow the money. There's probably some kind of sponsorship oh, opportunity yeah. connection. Of course there's money, but, it, you know, there, there's no international growth by uh, going to London, England. Uh, the texture says he's going to put down 100 bucks on Nessie. No way Nessie's going to close that out. <laughs> no way. Uh, thank you, Bruce. This has been fun. It's me and Steve Rosenblum next. Yeah, and you guys will have your usual fun, and Steve and his unique style of broadcasting and intellect will bring the best <laughs> to the very best of the show. So his, have fun the next few hours. Yes, the joyful cynicism we of Steve have, Rosenblum. We is have nice. people to thank, especially Zach Withers for a job well done producing this as always. And of course, uh, we thank John Greenberg who joined us as well, along with uh, Aaron Bummer. People can follow me at Twitter at MLB Bruce Levine on Twitter and uh, 670score.com. I write Cubs and Sox just about every day. Matt, have a great week. 
We'll see you down the line next week. Uh, I believe a special remote that they'll be talking about. Yes, you and I in the afternoon next week over by uh, Cubs and White Sox over by there uh, on the south side. It is The Score. Steve Rosenblum and I are next with Suckage. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island Jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Ookla speed test intelligence data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023.